We know you're seeing all the Mother's Day gift guides everywhere. And while we usually do some Didn't I Just Feed You version, this year we have the one perfect Mother's Day gift that works for everyone, even our last minute shoppers, mylifeinabook.com. Mylifeinabook.com is a unique service that turns the life stories of people you love into a beautiful book. Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send your gift recipient a question via email. These can be pre-written questions that they provide, or you can customize the questions the way that I did for my mom. Your recipient can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature. Mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. I'm really excited to be creating a book with my own mom this year, and I can't wait to hear some of her childhood memories, what it was really like raising three kids as a single mother, and how she's enjoyed becoming a grandmother, too. And when the book is done, you'll have a beautiful keepsake for her and for you, too. You can even choose to have an audiobook created from the recordings. It's easy to sign up, and the process is automated, so you don't have to worry about missing a week. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code D-I-J-F-Y at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code D-I-J-F-Y for 10% off today. This episode of Didn't I Just Feed You is sponsored by By Heart. Longtime listeners know that Stacy and I both struggled with infant feeding stages with all our kids. Breastfeeding was hard, and choosing a formula was, well, also hard. We're thrilled to be working with Byheart, an infant nutrition company on a mission to make the best formula in the world. Not only is Byheart an easy-to-digest formula, their formula is also clinically proven for easier digestion, less spit-up, and softer poops versus leading infant formula. By Heart has their own patented protein blend that includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio, just like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. Curious about By Heart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with code D-I-J-F-Y for a limited time. That's byheart.com slash podcast and code D-I-J-F-Y, short for Didn't I Just Feed You. Additional terms and conditions apply. There's no way to be a perfect mother and a million ways to be a good one. This beautiful quote by writer Jill Churchill captures the spirit of a new book that Megan and I have absolutely fallen in love with. Creatrix, wisdom, insights, and principles shared by the mothers of success stories in sports, business, and culture is a collection of stories shared by the mothers of world-renowned CEOs, entertainers, professional athletes, and others who have come from a diverse range of countries, cultures, and creeds. At their core, the stories in Creatrix explore the age-old question, nature or nurture? And while we already know that it's the interplay of both, Insights from these stories reveal the profound role that motherhood plays in how nature and nurture come together. This book is a must-read for all moms. It's a full-on celebration of how mothers from all over the world and all walks of life can parent differently, yet still manage to tap into patterns of instinctual advice that nurture the best in all of us. Reading it is empowering and heartwarming, reassuring and inspirational. Plus, a portion of the book's proceeds are being donated to three organizations that support families— Good Plus Foundation, Believe in Achieve Foundation, and So Good Now. We can truly think of no better Mother's Day gift for all the moms in your life, including you. Learn more about these organizations and order your copy of Creatrix by visiting didn'tdigestfeedyou.com or shop for the book directly on Amazon. 
flavor booster can just be browning your meat before, you know, you braise it or you throw it into the slow cooker. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, make sure you are subscribed right where you're listening. That way you don't miss a single thing. And if you have a second, rate and review because it makes us feel warm and fuzzy. And those readings and reviews help other busy home cooks find us, too, Billis. Hey, this episode is going to be so fun and so useful. I accidentally called it Flavor Boosties, which I'm kind of <laughs> into. But a ve- the very simple idea is we've talked about it in, like, all these little episodes, the things that we do to make meals more flavorful, and we want to bring them all together into one place. There was a thread recently in the listeners group about a mom who's like going back to work and she needs to like prep basic like chicken and veggies to take the lunch, but she wants some things to make those lunches more flavorful. So we've definitely got some ideas for that. When I say flavor boosters, Stacey, what's the very first thing that comes to your mind? Umami. Mm, I was going to say acid. Yeah. So that's funny because that's the second thing that comes to my mind. I was trying to, just because the way my brain works, I was trying to think about categories of flavor boosters. I feel like it's umami, acid, fresh, and finishes. That is kind of where my brain went. I don't know if that actually makes any sense. But like finishes is more about texture, which can also be a flavor booster because you might use to make a finishing. It might be like Parmesan toasted breadcrumbs, for example, right? So that has a little bit of umami. Maybe you throw in some lemon zest at the end too. So it has a little bit of the acid and it adds texture, but it's something you finish with. Fresh to me is sort of like fresh herbs, then umami and the different acids. But I don't know. What what about you? I think you're hitting the nail on the head pretty close. I would also say that there is the category of heat, which I want to use very loosely because I'm thinking of like how you can add warming spices to something as it's cooking. And so it's not necessarily heat in terms of hot like red pepper flake or hot sauce, but it's more about like adding some warming spices. And then there's also the application of heat where you get something like really burnished or broiled. And so it gets like texture and flavor added. Yes, totally. I was thinking about that. Like a flavor booster can just be browning your meat before, you know, you braise it or you throw it into the slow cooker. Yes. Although are you building umami there? I say yes And no. And here's why. Because the next category I was going to throw at you was sweetness. Because being the baker that I am and being the sugar hog that I am, (laughs) as anyone who's listened, (laughs) knows, I think that there's like a lot of ways to add sweetness to something, which sometimes balances Mm. when you've made something too salty or something is like really acidic and you add a little sweetness to sort of balance it. But sweetness doesn't just come from sugar or honey or maple syrup. There's sweetness that happens when you caramelize food. Yeah. So in some ways, browning contributes both more savory flavors and some sweetness. That's really delicious. Yeah, I guess it depends on what you're – like if it's meat or protein, it's more umami. But if you're browning something that has a lot of natural sugar content, like – 
onions or roasting carrots. I mean, that's basically what roasting does. When you roast an ingredient that has a higher sugar, natural sugar content, you're actually bringing out the sweetness. 100%. So is there like one dish that we could walk through and talk about all of the ways that you could flavor it? Or should we dive into categories? Oh, it's a really good question. I was thinking dive into categories. And I, apropos of nothing, I just something popped into my head that I feel like sharing. That when you talked about heat, it reminded me of a conversation. Both of my kids go to a partial Spanish language immersion school. And they're constantly, or they used to, because now I finally got it, correcting me about the difference between caliente and picante. And that Mm. is such a useful distinction (laughs) that I don't feel like we have. We're always struggling to articulate it in English. But picante is spicy and caliente means temperature heat. And it's just like having two words that reference the two different types of heat is very helpful. Okay. I love that. And we don't have that, like, we don't necessarily have culinary language for that in English like right I know we we're say always heat, like uh, and we uh, mean like hot and also browning yeah totally yeah wow All I right. love that okay so should we start talking about caliente versus picante let's do it let's start with caliente and picante okay should we start with heat application first because I think my guess is that a lot of listeners are going to expect us to go down a list of ingredients, which of course we will do, that are really great to have in your pantry to boost the flavor of your cooking. But I would guess that maybe not everybody predicted that we talk about just how you cook as being a way that you can boost your flavor. Yeah. And I would say that for most of these categories, there's ingredients and there's techniques for adding that element of flavor. So yeah, browning is a good place to jump off on because I think we talked about it in the soup episode, like we've talked about it in a braising episode, but when you're starting with like a big vegetable or a big hunk of meat, one of the fastest ways that you can add flavor to it, literally without doing anything else, just manipulating that natural product is by browning it. And you can brown it in like a hot skillet with a little bit of oil, or you can roast it in the oven, or even broil it. And also, since it's almost time to do that, grilling. And I don't think enough people like realize I could use my grill to like get this really great flavor and then finish something in my kitchen if I need to, which is actually a technique that like some home barbecue fanatics use. Like they smoke something outside and then they bring it inside to finish cooking. And I just want to make a quick little side point here that the flavor does come from the browning itself, but also, especially when we're talking about animal protein, you're also making it possible. You're helping the piece of meat retain its own juices, which is part of what ups the flavor as well. So you're doing it a favor because as soon as, you know, that's why we're always like, don't pull the meat up too fast. Like, let it sear. Don't be afraid of the heat. Don't be afraid of just letting it sit on that heat and get a really good sear on it. When it's ready to be flipped, you'll know because it will flip effortlessly. You don't want to pull at it because as soon as you do, even though you've got some nice browning and that will give you some flavor, you're also tearing the meat. The juices run. That's where a lot of your flavor and texture goodness come from. 
Yes. I will say, Billis, that there is some debate in the the scientific culinary world as to whether browning and searing actually helps hold in juiciness or if there's something like psychological where, yeah, you are losing some juices actually by using that high heat application, but what you gain in flavor sort of creates the illusion of more juices. Of course, it's hard to get like two exact matching steaks and measure like the amount of juices that come out when you cut them. So no one has like a definitive answer, but I just, it's like a triple fold. It helps add flavor. It creates a texture that's really delicious. And there's something to the juiciness, whether it's psychological or scientific. And I will tell you from whether we know or not, like the exact amount of juice that we've retained, that sounds very like Alton Brownie. Um, (laughs) You know what I mean? Like where he'd actually measure the amount of juice and like Mm. report back on like- I never, I never did that. (laughs) (laughs) Having tested a lot of chicken- a lot of chicken when I was writing winter, winter chicken dinner. I don't really care about the actual amount of juice because the juice is going to run on the plate no matter what. Right. Or the texture and flavor or the cutting board texture and flavor win out when you just let it sear. So you want to know a really cool thing I'm just thinking about is we said it's like, oh, techniques and ingredients. But actually, you can use some ingredients to boost that browning. Like if you use a dry rub on something that you're going to put on the grill and it has like a little bit of brown sugar in it, or you toss your carrots with a little bit of maple syrup before you roast them in the oven. I mean, that's the whole thing about brining. Brining meat too, right? Whether you do a dry brine, which is essentially a rub, or a wet brine, you're all about trying to like accelerate these things, accelerate browning flavor and juiciness. Yes. Even with caramelized onions. You know, if you want to make caramelized onions more quickly, people call it a cheat. But, you know, we're home cooks here. We want it to be efficient and delicious and just sprinkle with a little bit of sugar and you accelerate that. You don't, you know, you're you're helping boost that sweetness that you're trying to achieve. And instead of waiting 45 minutes for the onions to cook down, you wait 25 minutes and it might not have quite as deep a color and the sweetness might, might not come completely from the onions itself, but you get the same impact, just like you're saying. Yeah. Also, we love a shortcut. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So let's. I don't care if they're not caramelized for 30 minutes if I can eat it faster. (laughs) I agree with you. So let's talk about some of these ingredients and shortcuts. We said we'd start with picante. So spice. Yes. Oh, man. We have a whole episode with the beautiful Kanchan Koya of Cheap Spice Mama about spice and how spice doesn't always equate to spiciness. But again, there's this thing of you can add spices, whether it's like cinnamon or cumin or I don't know, what's a third spice? Cayenne. (laughs) Cayenne. At the beginning of cooking, and that will change, that like changes how that spice shows up. So heating spices in a little bit of oil or ghee or butter, you see this a lot in Indian cooking where you're making like a tadaka or your blooming spices is a way to to say it, where uh, the application of heat sort of like changes the profile. So it makes cinnamon a little bit sweeter if you do that. It can make hot spices like red pepper flake hotter. It can temper the sharpness of things like garlic. So there is like a little bit of technique to when and where you add spices and herbs too, which I know that you're like a big fan of herbs. So 
how do you add those when they're we're not talking about freshness because I know that's a whole category but like when you're cooking with herbs at what stages do you add them well I think that the key here in this context where we're specifically talking about boosting flavor the key is really thinking about layering so Mm -hmm. you can layer combinations of spices but also a single spice itself layer when you're putting it into the dish so you know, think about salt. You've probably heard before that you should be salting all along the way. You salt the protein before you put it on the heat. Then you sear it. Then you add a little bit more salt. Then you add the rest of the ingredients. Then you add a little bit more salt. So you're getting a different impact from the salt at each of these steps. And the same can be true of any of your spices. So you let's talk about cumin. You could bloom powdered cumin in oil with a little bit of fresh garlic and onion or maybe if you have an herb that uses like comes in multiple forms like whole and ground and that's in your pantry available to you when you're sautéing the onion and ginger you can put whole cumin seed there then you add your vegetables then you add chopped tomatoes then you add more cumin maybe powdered this time then at the very end sprinkle with a little bit of extra cumin on top i mean people used to say that you shouldn't just use your dried spices in a finished product because you'll get a powdery taste. But actually, if you have fresh spices and you're pretty good about keeping your spice cabinet up to date, and you should definitely listen to that episode with Kanchan for tips on how to do it and buying in smaller amounts and what resources, where you should get your spices. But if your spices are fresh, yeah, finish with a little dry cumin on top as well. Then layer a little sumac on there too. So it's really about this layering technique for me. Can we talk about the use of whole spices for just a second? Because you mentioned like throwing whole cumin seeds in with your onion and ginger, which I think is really brilliant. And again, it's something you see a lot in Indian cuisine. I know it's used elsewhere, too. That's the only reference I can think of right now, Stacey. But there is the benefit. Like when you add a whole spice, you're not just adding the flavor of it. You're also adding texture, which you said earlier, texture is a form of flavor, too. So sometimes we're thinking about how you can use um, a whole spice versus its ground counterpart in different ways to add that like crunch or a little bit of chewiness to your dishes too. And then also, you know, star anise, cinnamon sticks, there are things that you can also add and you need more liquid for this to really like be effective, but not a ton. But then you would fish those out at the end. But again, it's like another layer of flavor because a whole spice that you do have to pull out is going to just infuse its flavor. It's going to release its oils as it gets heated up and as it stews along, and then you pull it out. So there's really a lot to play with. And I am going to jump to fresh herbs for a minute here. Because I that's like a one place where I have room to grow in my flavor knowledge. Well, <laughs> I have me. to say that I, I do mostly use them at the end to retain their freshness because I feel like that's what they're so great at doing quickly. But I cook a lot with cilantro, you know, at multiple phases doing this layering technique. And also like cilantro stems or parsley stems, like I'll wash the parsley stems and I'll throw them into the Instant Pot with my dried beans. Or if I'm doing like a quick version of refried beans, we recently shared that recipe in our newsletter. I'll either tie them with twine if I have time, but most times I don't. And I just pull them out with tongues at the end. You know, I'll throw the stems that might normally just go in the garbage 
into the pot of whatever I'm cooking and then fish them out. And you'll be amazed at how much cilantro flavor has infused in your dish. And then you can finish with the chopped fresh leaves on top. Stacey, you saying that reminded me of this meme I saw recently about bay leaves, which was like, <laughs> I hope we could I do find love it, bay leaves we too. Share it. Uh, yeah, but it's that this really interesting thing where when I was like single and cooking for myself, I would never spend money on bay leaves because I was like, does it really add anything at all? And that was sort of what the meme was like, I'll never know if bay leaves actually do anything because I'm too <laughs> afraid not to use them. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. But, I mean, Greeks use bay leaves all the time. So I'm like, oh, of course they add flavor. Yeah, and of course, if you can get your hand on like fresh bay leaves and add them to soups and stews, it is a ama- like amazing flavor booster too. Also, what you're saying about cilantro got me thinking about. I actually don't love cilantro. I'm so sorry. I'm so so sorry, Stacy. Okay. So I'm used to it. So many people don't like it. But I think there's something we we've talked about a little bit, but we've never said concretely. Like I'm thinking of the sauce episode in particular here, which is I don't love fresh cilantro like on top of my taco. It's too much for me. But take that same cilantro and whiz it up with some olive oil and some garlic and some lime juice and make like a chimichurri with it. And I could basically drink that sauce out of the jar. So if there are fresh herbs that you don't like or like maybe are too powerful, especially for your little kids with super fresh palates, maybe you just need to change the delivery system. So a sauce is a really easy way to have a lot of fresh, like take a lot of fresh herbs or herbs that are getting ready to go bad and preserve them by just putting them in some olive oil, a little garlic, maybe some red wine vinegar, red pepper flake. And then you have a sauce that can be added as a flavor booster while like as a merit as part of a marinade while you're grilling something like kind of basting it on or as a finisher after you've like already cooked something especially things that come from the slow cooker like big hunks of meat maybe you made some carnitas and then you have this super fresh tasting sauce to put on top of it yes i love it with the carnitas add those cilantro stems into the pot (laughs) yes and then pull them out at the end right and so you have this kind of background flavor of cilantro that isn't very overwhelming yes i want to actually because we went we said picante but then we really just went to spices in general but can we talk a little bit about peppers and actual heat spice because this conversation about layering and like being more open also reminds me that there are some ways there's some applications for spicy peppers and spicy chili powders that make it more spicy. But then Mm -hmm. there are other ways that you can actually get the flavor, kind of juice the flavor out of it without it being so spicy. So dried peppers, I know they're like, if you haven't cooked with them before, you're like, "Mm, what do I do with this? But dried peppers don't necessarily add a ton of heat depending on how you're using them. And also there are a lot of dried peppers that aren't spicy. So I just recently bought, because they just looked so fresh and they were calling me out at the supermarket, (laughs) a package of dried ancho chilies. And, you know, I make, we talked about this in our beans episode, that we both tend to make a batch of dry beans in our Instant Pot and then have it around. And I just throw the ancho chili, like the whole thing. I don't even toast it first, which again, toasting the chili first is putting heat on it and that will increase flavor. So that would be a great thing to do. But since I'm moving fast from the package 
right into the water with the beans and the bay leaf and the half of an onion. And then I put it on, put my Instant Pot on and let them cook. But that's a really great way. There's also like chipotles in adobo. The adobo sauce, if you're careful about not getting any of the seeds in there, will give you flavor. It will give you some heat, but nothing compared to chopping up an entire chipotle and putting it in your dish. Yes. And I think of both anchos and chipotle in adobo as ways to add some smoky flavor without like using liquid smoke or actually using a smoker, which is a flavor that I really love. And Aleppo peppers can do that too. And Aleppos have like a little bit of sweetness. And then you can also, the great thing, again, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep going back to sauces as flavor boosters, even though we have a whole episode. But like you can take those same ancho chilies and soak them and then make a sauce with them out of like some caramelized onions and a little bit of garlic, Um, almost like your own hot sauce. But sometimes hot sauce has like a lot of acidity that boosts the heat because a lot of hot sauces are made with vinegars. Yep. So making a sauce where it's like purely an air, some aromatics and your dried chilies that have been soaked in warm water is a really easy way to like get heat, but like not too much heat and a little bit of smokiness. And also, like you're saying, if you throw that pepper into the broth of your carnitas, you can always pull it out later and it's like softened and it's given up a little bit of its heat, but it still has flavor. And you can use it to make a sauce for another night. Absolutely. And this makes me think also like shiracha. So shiracha is something that has become so popular in the last number of years. Many homes have it there. And you think of it as something that you just put on the table at the end. But actually, it's really great to cook with. And if you have kids who have a little tolerance or are building their tolerance for spice, but like not fully there and not going to squeeze shiracha all over their whatever, you know, their rice or their tacos (laughs) right before they bite into it. Cooking with just a little squeeze, like, again, in layers, like in the beginning while it's still in the pot, while you're still cooking, will give you that flavor without it being this, like, big hit of spicy heat that kids can't tolerate. And some grownups, not just kids who can't tolerate it. So, you know, what, what are we really talking about here? We're talking about these ingredients and not being afraid to use them and layer them in all these different ways to add different levels of spice and heat. Yes. Can we talk about umami and acids too? Because I think that those are two where everyone's like, oh, umami, I'm going to go miso or soy sauce. But there's actually like a lot of other ingredients. And also, like you were saying, browning is one technique for getting more umami. But there's there are also others too. There are. Let's talk about acid first because you mentioned that hot sauce is usually made with vinegar. And I don't know, for some reason, there's a connection between spice and heat and acid for me. <laughs> so just because of that's the way my brain works, let's go because there. it's good. Which it's is funny so because good. I would have picked talking about umami oh. first because I think of acids as the great finisher. But let's talk about Oh, let's acids. talk about that. Okay. okay. Ways I use acids that's not at the finish. Marinades, salad dressings. Be careful with those marinades and that acid. I know. Okay, but anyway. Tell us. It can 
kind of cook your chicken and make it undesirable, like texturally. Yeah, it can break down meats. So just be careful. If you're going to marinate overnight, I would highly recommend that you not. So, you know, what are you going to use acid in? Mostly like lamb, chicken, I don't know, what a pork for sure. Um, Orange and pork, I think of as a really great combination. Seafood. Seafood. I would add the, you know, you can do a little bit of acid. And you can use the zest so that you get the flavor essence of the citrus that you're going for, depending on what, you know, result you're trying to achieve. And then in the last little bit of marinade time, then you can add the actual acid juice or vinegar or whatever. And you can also just finish with acid, like you were saying. Like, that is a safe thing when it comes to marinating. But anyway, yes, like marinades, dressings, you've you've been talking a lot about sauces and acids are so important to sauces yeah i think though there's also this thing where it's like some there's a gap like people are either using acids in a marinade for proteins or they're using it as a salad dressing and there is this awesome sweet spot which is if you're roasting veggies and you were gonna put like olive oil on them anyways throw like a little apple cider vinegar on there. Or if you have a flavored vinegar, like a lot of people this time of year make chive blossom vinegar, which is essentially just red wine vinegar over chive blossoms. I do? Who are these people? I don't know. You Me? I You're just, like a lot of I'm people. I'm a lot of people. I'm like, who? You are. <laughs> a lot of people. You are a lot of people. I love some it. Some people. Okay. Okay. Some people. No, no. Because they come teasing. up in your garden. They grow wildly. Anyways, I'm trying to say, don't forget that you can cook with vinegar. Roasting is a great place to use it. Sautéing. You were saying with caramelized onions, you might add like a little bit of brown sugar to get them to go a little bit faster. But you can also add like a sweeter vinegar, like a champagne vinegar or an apple cider vinegar, which is clearly my favorite because I keep bringing it up. To like a little bit, I'm talking about a teaspoon to your mm-hmm. batch of caramelized onions. And actually, that helps break down the onions a little bit, that acidity, and softens those and helps them caramelize faster as well. And then you get like a really balanced flavor. Think about French onion soup. A lot of French onion soup is finished with yes. sherry, which yep. kind of has some um, acid-like profiles, and that helps balance the richness of, like, the Gruyere toast on top and the onions and beef broth. So you can use those, like, sherry vinegars, chai blossom vinegars, etc. <laughs> sherry vinegar is my favorite. I it's so love. underrated. Oh my gosh, it's my favorite. It's the vinegar I go through most. And balsamic is my least. But anyway, that's like a whole other thing. Yeah, I really don't cook with balsamic Me either. a lot. But then there are times like where it is the great finisher, right? Like you have a beautiful burrata and tomato salad and like the tiniest bit of a balsamic is really beautiful on that. I like a balsamic syrup like cooked down and it gets a little sweeter. The layering thing comes up for me again here and I think that this is something that I learned from my grandmother because lemon is such a prominent flavor profile in Greek cooking that it just like with spices. So you make roasted potatoes, for example. You cut them up, you toss them with salt and olive oil and lemon juice. Then you put them in the oven. Then you, 20 minutes, 30 minutes later, toss them around. You add more lemon juice. And maybe now you've finished squeezing the two halves completely and you just throw them in there now in the pan with the potatoes. 
And then, you know, et cetera, you baste them, you shake them around, maybe more lemon, and then you finish with lemon too. And then my grandmother didn't do this, but you might even like finish with a little lemon zest if you're feeling fancy and fresh oregano at the end. So layering the acid gives you like a really nice citrus forward flavor without trying to achieve that all at the end when that citrus flavor is going to also be really sharp from the, you know, sharp is good when you're finishing something. You want that. It's that acid piece, but you don't want that to be the only note. You know, you want to build up all that other citrus flavor. And so that also works when you're using oranges. I haven't done it as much with vinegars. But that's what I'm saying, that you can layer vinegars. When you cook a vinegar, it gets more sweet, not more sour. And so when you use something like a sherry vinegar, you're getting like a lot of beautiful sherry flavor when you're cooking with it. And then if you just do like a little drizzle at the end, or maybe you make a vinaigrette with that and then toss whatever veggies or protein that was cooked with the sherry vinegar, then you're getting this nice like a sweetness from the vinegar that's been cooked and a sharpness that sings with the fresh vinegar too. I want to go back to lemons for just one second because Brian does not, he does not like the flavor of fresh lemon. And I think it's because there's like an association for him with like cleaning products. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. I think there's something there, but he likes acid like he likes vinegars to finish things and one of the sweet spots we found and i think that this could be true too for if you have kids who have maybe sensitive palates or they're kind of like picky or selective eaters using an orange in in a place where you would use a lemon is sometimes softer and sweeter and can give us as the cooks the the freshness that we're craving without like being as overpowering as lemon can sometimes so be. So smart. And you know what else you could use? Sumac. So mm. sumac is also becoming a little bit more readily available because it just seems like it's becoming popular. I don't know. Um, very common in Middle Eastern cooking, and it does have a bright, almost lemony flavor. And it's something you can use while you're cooking, but also to finish so that you can just add a little extra on your plate if you love lemons and no one else likes that flavor. Yes. And then there's also like dried lemon peel that you can buy and throw into soups and stuff. And it has a lot more subtle flavor of lemon. So maybe your husband won't notice. You know what this is making me think of, too, before we move on from acid? Because some acid, lemon in particular, overlaps with sour and tamarind paste. Have you ever cooked with tamarind paste? I have once or twice in recipe development. It's not something I buy on the regular, but change change me. I love love tamarind. So it's just a flavor that I really like. It's sour, but it also has a sweet flavor to it. You can buy it in paste. Sometimes you have to break it up yourself because the pits will be in there. It depends if it's like the pressed tamarind. But I do believe you can buy tamarind paste that's been a little bit more processed. And you just kind of, you know, put it in a liquid and whisk it to thin it out. 
kind of a block of sticky deliciousness, but it's really great. And there's some Mexican applications. I've used it. Thai, Indian, like stir fries, curries. It's really good in drinks. Tamarind and pineapple are a really delicious combination. Like a tamarind pineapple margaritas. Yum, yum. Yum. It's used a lot in Mexico uh, to make agua fresca. It's just really delicious. I actually recently uh, had a cocktail made with just tamarind juice and whiskey. So I'm going a little off course, but it is this very flexible, delicious ingredient. Okay. But off course sometimes takes us somewhere delicious because you talking about drinks made me think, oh, kombucha is acidic and something that you could be cooking with and turning into vinaigrettes too. Do you buy kombucha? I do. I made it for a little while too. That was an insane time. That that strikes that sourdough bread place yes, that I is. just don't it's have like in have my heart. Pet. Yeah, it's like you have a little pet for sure. <laughs> but kombucha is fermented, which is like an interesting walking the line of funk, which is fun. Uh, you know, blue cheese is funky. There's a lot of stuff that's like funky in oh, the food yeah. world. That's actually sourdough. All those things, like it's funky, it's a little bit sour, but then it also brings like a lot of umami flavor to the party, thinking about like miso. And Stacey, I cannot remember the name of it, but there's like a Korean spice paste that is like a little bit fermented as well. I keep wanting to call it galangal, but that is that is a sister cousin of ginger. What is it called? Gochujang? I don't know yes. if I'm saying that correctly, but... Is that what yes. you're thinking? I, that is exactly what I'm thinking yeah. of. It's delicious. It's a fermented chili paste, basically. Yeah. So good. And I love this idea of moving from, we got we went from acid and we slowly moved to sour, then go to funk, then umami. Because <laughs> funk does occupy this like funny in-between place, which I love. You mentioned blue cheese. Um, what else goes there? Like, do you think dried Sourdough, mushrooms? Kimchi? Ooh, I don't know. Kimchi this. for sure. Sauerkraut for sure. Yeah. Pickle, pickles and pickle brines. I mean, vinegar is essentially um, fermented juices. So it is. it falls squarely in that funk category. Me- we said miso. Yeah, this is, so it is a place where it's like there's sour, but then there's also like fermented flavors. And a lot of time fermented flavors also come across as like umami, that like deeply savory flavor that you cannot put your finger on. I have a question. Is Marmite funky? I've actually never, ever eaten it. Have I you? do think it is. I've never eaten it also. I think it's like it's a fermented so paste. But then, then that also makes me think of Worcestershire sauce. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Worcestershire is my – I love that <laughs> stuff. I can – like Mike will look at me and be like, you're ruining that steak. And I'm like, mm, like it's so No, I'm absolutely not. Yes. And then putting that in a dressing, you know, it's a great ingredient to add to a dressing. Yes. Like a good Caesar dressing. Ooh, yeah. then that – you're getting into anchovies and anchovy yes. paste, which are kind of funky umami also. Fish sauce. Fish sauce is definitely funky umami to me because my palate isn't as used to it, but I love it. 
Yes. Soy sauce, fish sauce, miso. You know, and then there's, like you were saying before, there are some other things that add umami flavor that you may not think of, just like straight up tomato paste. Yeah. Right? Like sun-dried tomatoes, like where you've really distilled the flavor of the tomato. And not distilled. You've kind of distilled and condensed it. Yes. You get some beautiful umami flavor out of that. Parmesan cheese. Parmesan cheese. I was also going to shout out seaweed in oh, multiple yeah. for- forms, like furikake. Is that how you say it? Yeah. It's like seaweed, sesame seeds. There's usually like a little bit of spice on it. I, right now, I'm using one that came from Jacobson Sea Salt, but you can find it at Asian markets. And it's awesome. Like if you're just kiddo is like into plain rice, but you want to jazz it up a little bit, that's a great thing to shake on there. Um, sometimes we put it on like rom- basic ramen noodles, even though that's a clash of cultures there. And then not just seaweed like nori for wrapping sushi or putting over rice, but also kombu, yep. which is dried seaweed that you can use to make broth. It's very subtle, but you'll see it used a lot for the base of miso soup to make dashi. And then you can also use that like basically seed-flavored water to make other soups and cook beans. And it supposedly makes digesting beans a little bit easier if you have a sensitive stomach. Yeah. And actually, now that you're in kombu, that also makes me think of shrimp paste, which I haven't cooked with a lot. But shrimp paste is a really great like umami booster as well. Great for like fried rice or, you know, if you want to experiment with making like Thai dishes, great for like noodles. Did we talk about Parmesan? You did just say it. Because we wanna, haven't talked about it in I wanna, depth. Like, we haven't stop. talked about the wonder our favorite category. Of cheese. cheese. <laughs> <Which is laughs> I was like, a huge flavor booster. Because Parmesan is not just, you know, in any kind of aged cheese, but I think mostly Parmesan for that delicious umami salty bit. It's not just for finishing, but we've talked before in other episodes about saving the rind. And you can just pop it when you get to the very end, pop that rind into a bag and then put it in your freezer and then have it there for when you're making a risotto or a soup or a stew. And you can just throw it in the way, almost the way you would a bay leaf, (laughs) right? Just let it cook in there or a whole spice. You put it in and then you want to pull it out. I remember that I had my my sister-in-law over when we first moved to Boise and I made like a minestrone soup and she got the Parmesan rind in her portion of soup like I hadn't pulled it out and she was literally like trying to chew it up and I was like listen I'm so sorry you don't have to do that like you can you can eat it but it's like got a really weird texture that's hilarious did she try yeah. She was kind of like, what is this? And then she started to chew on it. And I was like, oh, that's the Parmesan rind I should have pulled out before I served you. <laughs> Didn't see it. You can go ahead Sorry. and put that on your plate, on your bread plate on the side. Apologies. Lesson learned. <laughs> but there are other cheeses. Like, I think of feta as a cheese where you're yes. adding a little funk and umami. And that's one that I would use as a finisher. Or I've never tried the viral TikTok pasta, but people use that, like they roast it and it changes the flavor profile of it. Yes. Do we want to talk about finishing? I think we should talk about finishing. Okay. You talked a lot about sauces and that's huge. And, you know, 
We've Hence been, why we have a whole episode. Uh, yeah. And I was going to say, like, people have said before we've gotten feedback that we just reference past episodes and actually, like, it's okay to recap. But, like, seriously, that's one that you should listen to. Yes. <laughs> we a, talk about... It's an entire episode. Blender sauces. We talk about vinaigrettes. We talk about cooked sauces. We talk about freezer sauces, things that you can stick in your freezer, which are awesome future gifts to yourself. But sauces aren't the only way to finish food. No. Fat, we talked about this in How to Cook Like a Chef, right? So fat, and not just finishing with fat, you know, by adding a little olive oil or butter at the end. Like your risotto is done cooking, add a pat of butter. You've, you know, tossed your pasta with a little bit of pasta cooking water and your sauce and it's ready to go. You're going to plate it. Put a glug of great olive oil, then plate yeah. it. I have right now, just a shout out, the Brightland. It's like their lucid flavor. So yeah. it has lemon. And it like, again, because Brian doesn't like lemon, for me, I'm like, let me just drizzle that on everything. And so all of their oils are so good. I have their basil one right now, too. That's Ooh, really good. Yes. Um, but also you can flavor your butter. Compound butters. Just, you know, toast butter with a little bit of garlic and pour that over your meat at the very end. Like a little garlic butter. Same, you know. I mean, that's technically a pan sauce. Yeah. We think, oh, pan sauce. I have to do these fancy things. It's like brown some butter in your hot pan and add a little bit of garlic. You have a pan sauce. It doesn't matter what it like looks like. It's going to taste crazy delicious. So good. Fresh herbs we talked about. Finishing with just the same way you would finish with fat. You can also finish with acid. We've talked about that. What about like we talked about breadcrumbs and toasting them and tossing them with cheese too. Of course, finishing with cheeses. Chopped nuts. Yeah, chopped nuts. And also think of other crunchy things. Like did you make a really killer salad that would be so good if you like chopped up the pretzel bits at the end of the snack bag and put those on top or I love Cheez-Its on any kind of like creamy potato soup or even chili Mm. and like crumbling them up a little bit more just makes the experience that much better. Also, Jesse Shevchek, who we've had as a guest on the show, we talked to him about his book, Tasty Pride, that came out last June. He wrote this great piece for Kitchen, and I should try to link to it, which was sort of like croutons are an abomination. Like somebody's going to break their (laughs) tooth on them. But breadcrumbs are brilliant for finishing your salads. And you know the Taylor Farms chopped salads that I cannot stop talking about? One of the things that I love so much about them is there is not a bag of croutons in that salad kit. There is a bag of different flavored breadcrumbs in there. And it's such a game changer for salads. Seeds, nuts, yeah, like anything crunchy you like, frizzled uh, shallots or, you know, the packaged fried onions, both delicious, whether you make it at home. You can get both packaged, actually. Pickly stuff, capers, pepperoncini, olives olives are a great way to boost things. And again, I want to go back to this layering thing. So I do think that one of the big takeaways here is anything you think of, like if you think of your dried spices primarily as being things you use while you cook and you think of fresh herbs as being primarily things you use when you're done cooking like challenge yourself on both fronts like take whatever ingredient that you love that boosts the flavor of your cooking and think about ways that you can pull it into every stage from prep to marinade to cooking to finishing yes and that's like a really i've been sitting on this thought about 
like fresh aromatics. I think of onions and shallots specifically, but let's say you make this like took you all day to cook onion soup. It can be amazing if you take like a shallot and really finely oh. dice it and put it on top. I think of things like tacos where you've cooked with the onion and the onion that you've cooked with is basically mush, but maybe you take the red onion and dice it and toss it with a little bit of red wine vinegar or spicy vinegar and put that on top of a taco. Yes, or I'm thinking about like moles or like really deep, rich Mexican flavors and how like very thinly sliced white onion served on top Mm. is really delicious and just kind of like cuts through. It kind of almost serves as that acid, you know, and that like sharp flavor that gives that freshness. Yeah. And I've never done this, but I think that there's something like that is a little more kid friendly. I would use air quotes if we were recording video. (laughs) (laughs) In the sense of like, Okay, so my kids are not really into onions, but, like, if I cooked something where there were carrots in it and then I, like, grated a fresh carrot and put the grated carrot on top of it, whether it's, like, a taco or incorporating it into, like, a quesadilla at the last minute from – with, like, leftover braised meat, that can be a way that you're, like, adding sweetness, adding some texture and color and also, like, getting a little more veggies into your kid's diet without – Having to have it be like raw onions or something spicy on top. Quick pickled carrots is a favorite in my house. Like really quick. Just like let them sit for, you know, a half hour. So they are, you are getting a little bit of a pickle flavor, but you are still retaining a lot of that sweetness. And often I'll put just like mint and cilantro in there too. It's really delicious on, you know, Mexican food, on Thai food, on stir fries. It's so yum. This is a reason why I love green onions and also chive blossoms. Yes. (laughs) Chive blossoms. Chive blossoms. (laughs) Is that they're both onion flavored, but also very mild. And my kids will get into that. And plus, they're like adding a little chive blossoms have a little bit of crunch to them and green onions too. that kind of like super fresh crunch is an easy way to add flavor and texture to the finishing of the meal. Both of my boys love onions. They love raw onions. They love raw shallots. They eat chives plain. Like if I'm chopping chives, like they'll ask me to stop chopping and just like pick up, you know, scallions too. Like pick them up with their fingers and just like drop them in their mouth. Isn't that so funny? It's so funny. Really into it. I want to be so snarky and be like, good for you. Oh, really? Is that a big thing? They like onion. I'm like, can you like some? I don't know. I think it's cool. Nutritional value. I said onion. Your kids are eating carrots. Right. If I just put raw carrot on top of something, they would look at me like I was crazy. How much grated carrot are they really eating? (laughs) Let's be honest here. Okay. I want to really quickly shout out two resources that I love for flavor boosting. One is the flavor. You're doing a drug. You guys, you know, I love flavor boosting. (laughs) Let me tell you my source. (laughs) That sounds funny. Do you have any boosties with you? Um, Shout out to the Flavor Bible, which is just this really great resource. There are recipes in it, including sauces, but there's also just like this whole matrix of ingredients and what they pair with. So one thing I took from this a very long time ago and I still use is asparagus with lemon zest and nutmeg will blow your mind in its deliciousness. (gasps) 
That is so, so good. That is a thing where like I will microwave steam the asparagus. I'll link to that method in the show notes because it's really easy and it's actually one of my favorites for like in-season asparagus. And then just do like a little bit of olive oil, the zest of a lemon, and grating of nutmeg. There's no cooking the nutmeg either because it's like the fresh nutmeg. But that's a great resource and we'll link to that as well. And then we – both Stacy and I – we have worked in the past with Cook Smarts and we love them and we've used their meal planning service so we know what a wealth of knowledge they are. But they're one of my current favorite inspirations. Like on Instagram, I'm saving a lot of their tip posts where it's like, do this to add more flavor to soup or here are some Mediterranean ingredients you might not have thought to use or some Middle Eastern ingredients you might not have thought to use to boost flavors. So that's another resource that I would shout out. Stacey, what about you? Any places you look for those flavor boosters at I the grocery store otherwise? love Jess at CookSmarts too. So she's definitely a favorite follow. And I love Chief Spice Mama's Instagram for just really like pushing myself. I actually have tons of spices just because, you know, it's part of our work and I'm always experimenting, but it helps me use a lot of spices up that I maybe like bought for one recipe and left in the corner. So if you're somebody who's wanting to experiment with aromatics and spices, and also she has younger kids. So I think it's a really great resource for parents who want a ton of flavor, who are looking to stretch a little bit, but also not looking for everything to be super like spicy or overwhelming. And also we're trying to not eat as much meat right now. And Kanchan always, like she did something with potato and eggplant the other day that I would never would have done. And I was like, that's what I want for dinner. So there you go. And I love the idea of thinking about how to boost the flavor of vegetables and plant-based cooking too, because I do think that People assume that a dish that has meat is going to be more flavorful, and that doesn't have to be the case. It's just a matter of how you cook it and which of these ingredients you're using to highlight which aspect and dimension of the vegetable. Like, are you trying to bring out the sweetness? Are you trying to pair up sweetness with something spicy? So she's great at that also. And it reminds me, we have a whole episode on how to make vegetables taste delicious too that you should listen to. So many episodes. Just clear the rest of your day to listen to them. Yeah. Hey, you know what my other favorite resource is, Stacey Billis? Our Our listeners listeners community. (laughs) To find that listeners community, look for Din I Just Feed You listeners on Facebook. And the answer to the question to join is whiskey. You can also follow us on Facebook. We just have a general page there but really honestly the listeners community is where it's at and you can find us on instagram as at didn't i just feed you make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter to get an exclusive recipe plus our pick of the week every single week you can subscribe at didn't i just feed you.com or follow the link in our instagram bio and of course don't forget to subscribe to the podcast right now right where you're listening or wherever you like to get your podcast so you don't miss an episode our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jimendo. A huge thank you to our editor, Samantha Gatsik. Sam, we love you. I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. Stay sane and well-fed until next week. Get your boosties on. <laughs> 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 <laughs>